Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my partner for the podcast, my co-host in life and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. It's so great to be back at the kitchen table with you, Sean, and with our next guest who I've gotten to know a little bit. His name is Cody Flint. He's a crop duster from Mississippi, and he was injured by the COVID vaccine along with other people who have been censored and have not been had their voices heard. And we're going to bring him in and talk about what happened to him? We're going to get right into it. Cody, welcome to the kitchen table. Yep. Thank you for having me. So you're a crop duster. A lot of our listeners might just want to know before we talk about COVID, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> yeah, unless you're from a rural area, it's, it's hard to understand. Uh, so I treat or did before this treated crops aerially with an airplane, um, you know, loading up chemical fertilizer, spraying the 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 country's crops uh, by air most most times seven days a week uh, the job takes place usually about five feet above the ground so low level flying just you know protecting the nation's food source to say cody tell me if i'm wrong isn't this one of the most dangerous jobs in america is being a crop tester because you're fi- you're flying fast over crops you know five ten feet above <laughs> the crops themselves yeah it is it doesn't you, you you don't hear that very much because it's so few of us. It's I think it's like one percent or less than one percent of pilots in the country do it. It's it's as close to aerobatic flying as you'll get. Um, I mean, my, my job, it, it, I never go higher than 500 feet above ground level. There's no reason to. If you don't have your head in the right place, just one second out of the day, you can it can take a drastic turn for the worst. So. It can end all future days. It can. <laughs> Absolutely. As I've driven, as anyone's driven across the country, you might happen upon someone from rural Wisconsin. who's out there crop dusting um, on whatever road you're on. And it's actually pretty amazing to see, you know, how you guys swoop in, dust the crops, and then you're up and you're, you're turning around right away and coming back down in, in, in another sweep. And you're right. It must be, I mean, really uh, ex- mentally exhausting when you're done. And I know we're not here to talk about crop dusting, but I just. But, but we are a little bit, Sean, because uh, he said that's what I used to do. So uh, before we talk about how how your vaccine injury happened and, and the group that you're part of that I think is so important. Did the injury from the vaccine, is that preventing you from your job, right? Doing your job right now? It is. And it actually 
the injury, I guess, climaxed to, I don't know a better way to put it. It happened while I was in the airplane going across wow. the field. Wow. It nearly killed what me. Happened? Uh, Tell us what happened. Yeah. So I got the vaccine February 1st of 21, my wife and I together, and uh, we went to lunch. It, it was a drive through. You know, the National Guard gave it. We never got out of our vehicle. We went to lunch right after that. And within 30 minutes to an hour, I was looking at the menu, getting ready to order my food. And I noticed I was having a hard time focusing on the menu. And I had a, a very odd headache. It was a very small, localized headache right in the top of my head, a headache like I've never had before. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, I kind of brushed it off. I thought, you know, pain in your arm, headache, chills, things like that. That's, that's the things that you've heard the most of, of, of possible side effects. Well, driving home about an hour and a half drive after lunch, I felt like I'd been drinking. I mean, and, and even my wife commented on it. Uh, kind of swerving just a little bit, eyes having a hard time focusing. And throughout the rest of that day, that was a Monday, uh, the headache intensified and moved down the back of my neck. So I took ibuprofen, Tylenol, thinking a day or two would go away. The next day, Tuesday, it rained all day. So I just, I did office work. I took it easy, uh, just caught up on some paperwork, still taking ibuprofen. And it, it was just kind of unrelenting. Well, Wednesday, I had my first flying job of the year to do. You know, the crop dusting is a seasonal job. Not a lot takes place in the wintertime. So it was my first job of 2021. I had about two or three hours of flying to do. And the FAA requires all pilots wait 48 hours after each dose before they resume flying duties. Uh, so Wednesday I got the shot on a Monday about 11 a.m. I waited till about 1 p.m. Wednesday, so 49, 50 hours, and decided to go fly. Only needed to fly a few hours, and then was going to go to the doctor about the headache afterwards. Uh, mm -hmm. Beautiful day outside, and I, and I remember when I took off, I realized it was worse than I thought it was. People that don't fly a lot don't understand. It's uh, when you take off and you, you break ground, you get above the trees, your vision it just drastically changes, uh, you know, how far you can see. And that's something you just get used to over time, you know, picking out points on the land, you know, things that are just uh, very common to you to orient yourself. But when I took off, I realized I had a little slight tunnel vision looking at a long distance and I have perfect eyes. I don't wear glasses or contacts or anything. So in hindsight, should have stopped right then. But, you know, commitments to your customers, trying to, trying to keep people happy. So I, I pushed on, flew for probably an hour, and in about five minutes, I went from having a headache and tunnel vision to tunnel vision that was so tight, I could, I, I could only see down the nose of my airplane. I mean, I could only see what was right in front of me. I mean, it, and it, ha it happened that quick, just within, like you said, Sean, swooping in and making another pass, you know, it happened on just two or three passes. So you're up in the air. You, you're like, I'm going to push through. I'm having some symptoms. I know I'm not seeing as well as I normally see. I'm, I'm you know, it, obviously when you have that differential, you know it. But then all of a sudden in five minutes, you come to narrow, narrow vision, tunnel vision. How did you yeah. land the plane? How did you find, how did you find your way out of the sky onto the, to the grass or the pavement? Yep. Yeah, so I was about five miles from our home airstrip. 
uh, private runway that just my boss and I fly out of. And I've been in the same location for 14 years, been flying the same airplane for eight years. So I felt like it was a glove wrapped around me. You know, that's I'm more comfortable in it than I am in my vehicle. And I think that plays a part in why I try to push through. But I remember turning, headed away from the airstrip. I was uh, making one more pass, trying to get the load off of me because it's not safe to land those airplanes with the load still on you. They're not designed for that. And I realized, okay, this is not good. I have to stop. Turn the airplane around one more time, you know, and the turn takes place three or 400 feet above the ground. And when I turned my airplane around, the only way I know how to put it is it's like a bomb went off inside my head. Just within one second, I was slumped over in my seat. I was shaking. My arms were drawn up. I couldn't hardly move them. I couldn't speak. So I immediately tried to, I didn't, I didn't know what was happening. So I immediately tried to land on a four lane highway that was underneath me. And, and only a couple of miles from that, from our airstrip, I could have been there in two or three minutes. So I'm setting up trying to land on this, this highway. Cause I didn't think I'd be conscious within a few minutes, few minutes. Um, I decided against that. It was too many cars. I didn't feel like it was fair to put other people's safety in jeopardy. So I scooted over and just flew real low down the side of the highway. In my mind, I was going to black out at any second, was going to crash. And I just wanted to make sure people saw it so they could call for help. I'm heading back towards our runway. The last thing I remember is passing our runway to get set up to land. I remember seeing it and thinking to myself, okay, I may, I may can pull this off. The next thing I know, I'm outside of my airplane and the ground crew and the other pilot there were kind of just looking at me. I mean, that like I was crazy. They, you know, they didn't know, they didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was happening. They said I landed and just was slumped over in the seat shaking and I wouldn't respond to them talking to me. I don't remember landing or get getting out of the airplane. Did you tie this immediately? What happened to you? What was happening to you? Were you just confused or at some, you know, point, did you realize this was related to the vaccine? I mean, what was going through your head? I, I couldn't think of anything else it could be, if that makes any sense. It's, it, you know, it's, it, it was so scary at the time. It, I was just thinking really for those few hours of how lucky I was to be alive. You know, so I, I went to my doctor, my, my family doctor. The man has known me since I was born. He used to work with my grandfather. I, I think the world of him. Uh, so I don't mean to be attacking him when I say this, but. I went to him and I told him, Doc, this is what just happened. I'm having a hard time walking straight. I can't, I can't hardly drive. Uh, and I was vaccinated two days ago, first dose of Pfizer. And he put a finger up and said, follow my finger with your eyes. And he moved his finger about an inch and said, you know, oh, Lord, you have horrible vertigo. He said, your eyes are ticking like the second hand on a clock. I've never had vertigo before. I'm healthy. I'm 35 years old. I was uh, 33 at the time. And so that was shocking to me. And he rolled over to the little phone where they call in prescriptions and he prescribed meclizine for vertigo. And then he looked at me and he said, well, you're shaking really bad too. So he prescribed Xanax for panic attacks. I've never had a history of either of these. So that was in hindsight, it's extremely upsetting to see how quickly the possibility of this being a vaccine injury was just blown off by somebody that's known me since I was born and knew that I, I had no issues. I don't even know that I've ever even had the flu. And so as you, again, that's, that, that's gotta be wildly frustrating. Again, healthy, you know, young man that this doctor knows he, he, he was there when you were born, knows you have no issues. And all of a sudden, you know, you have these symptoms right after the vaccine. It's probably a telltale sign, but tell us the story. You know, what did you do after this? Did you reach out? 
Did you try to tell other other people what's happened? That you had an injury. Walk us through. What were people's responses? I mean, besides the doc, the medical community, which we know were sort of buying this hook, line, and sinker. What was your wife thinking? What did your friends and family think? It all happened really fast uh, in the beginning. I remember I pulled up that afternoon, and my brother was here getting something out of my yard. I don't I don't remember what. When I pulled in, he looked at me and he said, "Man, what is wrong with you? You look like you're about to fall over." You know, so it was it was very very visible, and, and that was the day it happened. The doctor told me to go take the meclizine and Xanax, sit in a dark room for two days, and two days later I'd be good to go. Two days later I couldn't walk a straight line. I mean, I, I was worse. So I looked for a second opinion. I found um, through word of mouth a. Uh, doctor, doctor's office called the Ear and Balance Institute in Louisiana, about a four-hour drive from my house. And I went and stayed with them two days. This is 10 days after vaccination. So for two days, I went through diagnostic testing, uh, CT scan, MRI, spinal tap, balance test, hearing test. And what all the testing showed, so what tipped them off was my the lumbar puncture showed that my spinal cord, the pressure was about three times higher than it should have been. So they looked at the MRI scans to see what damage was being caused by that. And both of my inner ears, when I, when I mentioned the bomb went off in my head, this is what happened. Both of my inner ears ruptured on the inner walls. It's called a paralymphatic fistula. So it's not, it's not a blown eardrum. It's, your inner ear where you get your balance from that has the fluid in it that floats that, you know, keeps you standing up straight. So that fluid was leaking inward into my skull on both sides of my head. Uh, and the doctors explained that, you know, it's not unheard of for someone to suffer one paralymphatic fistula on one side from a, a birth defect or, or, you know, various reasons, but for someone to, to have both sides, rupture at the exact same second of the, of the same day. They say that only happens with major head trauma, something that caused very rapid intracranial swelling. So I had surgery March 25th of last year on the left side, and I had surgery June 3rd on the right side. And they, I mean, they essentially almost cut your ear off and go in and try to patch that lesion and try to stop that fluid from leaking. How are you so, now? Now, uh, I drive a truck locally because I, I tried to go get my, after about a year had passed, I tried to go get my yearly flight physical that all pilots have to have to fly. And here's the other thing. The last physical I received and passed with flying co colors, perfectly healthy was 10 days before vaccination. So I went back to the same doctor in December of last year, a year ago and explained to him what happened. So you know, that to put this in perspective, you have two choices at that point. As a pilot, you can either lie on the forms and say, nope, all good, doc, nothing changed since last year. But the FAA will find you. They'll, they'll cross-reference. They'll find that you did that on those forms. You know, but that may happen two or three years down the road. Or you can just be honest and tell what happened and know there's a chance that you'll be denied immediately. Well, when I showed my doctor my files and what had taken place in the past year since I'd seen him last, he said, Cody, I, I'm not even going to let you submit this. You're going to be denied immediately, and they won't even consider you for another 10 years. Your flying is over for years to come. So you just made the decision, I can't fly, which I imagine is a good-paying job, and I'm going to move and I'm going to find another work, which is now truck driving. That's, that's the call you had to make. 
it, it is. I have a nine-year-old son and a five-year-old and a beautiful wife. And, you know, I, I didn't have disability insurance. I didn't have health insurance when this happened. I was in between insurance. I spent every dime I'd ever saved, uh, kids, college money. I spent it all on the surgeries thinking it would get me back to flying. That did not work out. Yeah, well, you know, your I mean, story, your story of losing your profession, something you trained for and spent money, you know, working towards is a common theme that I've seen in the movie anecdotals where you, you're part of and other people who have had these experiences. There was an orthopedic surgeon. Um, there were nurses and, and other people who said, I, I mean, the orthopedic surgeon on the film anecdotals, by the way, is the film about. Um, people who have been vaccine injured and it, it should be watched. You can find it on Rumble. It's um, an incredibly good um, movie for everyone to watch because <laughs> the stories aren't being told that these people have said that, look, the orthopedic surgeon, for example, said I'm not safe to do surgery. I know that. And it's just so sad uh, what's happening. Talk to me about how, much more painful it is when you have a story like this. And by the way, people like you have tried to create a community on social media and Facebook banned these communities from, from speaking. Um, people would post what Falling happened up. to them. I mean, so it's, it's sort of like the injury is twice because you've already been back injured mm -hmm. and now you're being told that you don't exist. Yeah. And it's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, I mean, it, it brings tears to my eyes when I think about it. So I got lucky. My doctor, uh, my surgeon, he knew right away, you don't just go from perfectly healthy to not being able to walk within 48 hours and that not being from the vaccine. There are so many people that were not afforded that, you know, a, a doctor that was that open to the possibility. And it, it is pushing people to take their, their own lives. They cannot stand the, the physical pain they're in. They've lost their, they can't work. I mean, people are, are literally starving, uh, losing their homes. You know, people, people shun them. People tell them they're faking it because. We're committing suicide. I mean, we, we've, we've I, I, it's, that too. it's so horrible. It's so, it's so hard to talk about. It's absolutely horrible. So I, and I almost feel guilty complaining about it because I, I still can work physically. All mine is neurological. You know, it's, it's all from the shoulders up there. There are people that cannot get out of the bed. They can't get out of wheelchairs. Uh, and they're still considered the lucky ones because they're still alive, but the unimaginable pain that they go through every second of every day and the constant search for a doctor that would just be open to the possibility, you know, is it's, it, sh it should not be this hard. And I asked myself, why is it like that? You know, and I, the only answer I can come up with is everyone bought into this and they just, it's really hard for some people to admit that they were fooled. You know, it's uh, for lack of a better word. It, I mean, right. the same mistake I made. So I'm, I'm not, I don't mean that derogatory of, towards Of anyone. course, of course. You know, so Je Jennifer Sharp is the director of the film Anecdotals. I want to play clip number two and get your reaction and Sean's reaction on the other side. 
I was told when I had my vaccine reaction, I did a post on Facebook about it because I just wasn't hearing about vaccine reactions. It was so safe and effective all the time. And I was told by a friend on Facebook that it was ethically and morally irresponsible for me to talk about my reaction because it's only anecdotal and I could be killing people. And that hit me really hard. And I was just like, since when can I not tell my truth? Um, and so I actually created a new word by putting an S at the end of anecdotal. And that's that became the title of my movie, Anecdotals. Those of us who, you know, aren't science, but we still exist. It's still our 100%. Cody, your thoughts? I, I know the lady. It's, it, it's, very, it's very, very hard to persevere and push forward when you're getting shut down around every corner, some of our Facebook groups, private Facebook groups, where we just give emotional support to each other, exactly. have made it to 14, 15,000 members. And then you wake up one day and it's gone and we have to start over. And I mean, so big, so, so let me get this clear. So big pharma and the federal government and our, our health bureaucrats take no responsibility for what happened. No one's compensating you or any of the, you know, thousands of people who have been vaccine injured, but they won't even let you. They won't let us help each other. Yeah. They won't even let you help each other. They won't even let you communicate, find each other and support each other. But you have actually, you found a way, didn't you? Yeah. Something I I don't ever want anyone to forget. The CEO of Pfizer Albert Borla, if I'm pronouncing his last name right, said on a stage one time that the people that talk about these vaccine injuries belong in prison. Yes, that, yes he did. That right By the way, there, he was, that he was cons- people their lives. That kills people when, when he, he makes right. statements like that. That's right. So here's my take on this, Cody. I, I, I was in Congress for nine years out of Wisconsin. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I think we, you, you serve in government because you want to help people. You want to make people's lives better. And I understand all of the craziness around the pandemic and a rush to get a vaccine. You do too. Rachel does as well. And you push the vaccine out and I'm, I'm actually, I'm okay with that as well. The problems that I have is when our I have a problem own, with the mandating it though, Sean. The, so the, right. When you say I have to take it to keep my job. And if there's injuries, as people start to take the, the vaccine, that my government tries to suppress it. I think our government owes us all the information, but all the data, all the stories of the good, the bad, and the ugly. So then as a free people, we can make a decision on what's best for us and our family. And what really burns me is that your story could have been avoided because if you had heard stories of other people who had injuries from, uh, f- from, from the vaccine, you might go, hey, listen, I'm 33 years old. I'm healthy. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm a, I'm a crop duster, man. I like, listen, I'm invincible. I'm not taking this. I'm not going to take the vaccine. But if you didn't hear those stories, you're putting a spot where it's like, yeah, culture says society says I'm supposed to do it. Conform. You take it and you conform. That's right. That's what I started, Sean, before the, the injured started appearing the lies. And it's really interesting when you follow what happened and it's discussed in this movie anecdotals, the lies were happening in the trials. They were hiding the data. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life 
is your solution. Every Life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. The data is not accurate from the trials. That's right. we, we know that for a fact because even, uh, you know, my fellow board member is, was injured in a trial and her data is not accurate. Uh, you know, so it's, and Sean, you're right. If we had, was part if we of had, the, if we had, Maddie, the was, correct, Maddie was a little girl who was part of the yep. trials, her and her two brothers, her parents put them in the trials. Right. Maddie was injured. Um, by the way, Fox and Friends is going to have her and her mom on this coming weekend. So if you're interested in that follow-up story, because we haven't interviewed them before, um, we're going to be interviewing them again this coming weekend. But yeah, I mean, she was part of the trials and she was ignored. Now, so it, I talk about this. Sean says you go into government because you want to help people. And this period of time was a period of time where I really wish my husband had been in office because yep. there were so few members of Congress who stood up and helped and listen, and probably the strongest for sure. And one of the very, very few was Senator Ron Johnson, right? I love him like a family member. He has given us a voice like no other. And he, he is relentlessly fighting for us uh, and taking a lot of heat for it. And that's infuriating. I could spend an hour on that. But any gains that we've made in one way or another – I mean, we do owe a good bit to him for the gains that we've made. He, in November of 21, that early, he brought us, a lot of us in and allowed us to tell what happened. You know, a a roundtable discussion about COVID-19 and vaccine injuries. And that's where a lot of us met each other and formed the nonprofit React 19. Was because you guys we were, were able, able to find each other through this hearing. I'll note that yep. at this hearing, Cody, Ron Johnson invited every member of Congress. He invited Fauci. He invite, invited mm-hmm. Fauci, yeah. uh, you know, all the people from the administration. He invited Pfizer and all the other companies that created he invited the media. He invited the media. No one came. Correct. So, correct. And then they censored it on top of it. So, Cody, obviously, there are, are legal protections that these you know, big pharma gets when they manufacture a vaccine like this and, and put it out into the public. Uh, oftentimes, it's very challenging, almost impossible to sue them. Right. There's there's a public you know, good behind why we do that. However, I don't know if you, and my question goes to, have you guys looked at the, the, the legal possibilities that you have? Because if Pfizer was lying in the initial trials before they put this out into the public and they weren't honest about that, I wonder if that's uh, going to allow you guys to pierce this veil and sue the, uh, the big pharma companies who have hurt so many people. So a whistleblower came forward, uh, I believe she was working in Texas, working on the Pfizer trials 
Pfizer had subcontracted some, uh, some of the duties of the trial to a smaller company. And this whistleblower came forward. She's had a lawsuit. Uh, it's probably almost been a year now trying to make its way through the courts. She testified that she witnessed with her own eyes federal government employees and Pfizer employees coming in and changing data, manipulating data, hiding things, adding things, whatever it took. And the funding from this, the initial funding to come up with this vaccine, $2 billion came from the Department of Defense Mm -hmm. directly to Pfizer. Uh, So you ask yourself who the jailer is not going to hold himself accountable. Who, who, Who holds someone at the very top accountable? And Pfizer's defense in that lawsuit is, well, the federal government would be the only one that can hold us accountable. And they did it with us. So be it. Sure did. That's interesting. You know, so it's it's unbelievable. And the PrEP Act that you mentioned provided this liability shield. I'm very realistic. We, we all are. I understand in the 80s when this the liability protections were given to the vaccine manufacturers because they were getting sued out of the wazoo, you know, over injuries. So the federal government had to step in to protect them to provide a shield so they could continue to make vaccines. I understand that. But this total and absolute immunity given through the PrEP Act for an experimental drug, okay, the federal government took that responsibility. They, they took on the responsibility to help us. Now, the only way they could legally do that is they funneled the vaccine injuries, uh, the route for compensation through a obscure dark program called the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program. So in the 80s, when the Vaccine Childhood Protection Act was passed, they came up with the VICP, the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. It goes through courts. You're allowed expert witnesses. I think it's it's paid out billions since the 80s to people injured by, you know, DTAP, rubella, uh, all the childhood standard vaccines. And even if you lose your case in the BICP, your attorney fees are paid by the program, but if it was brought in good faith. CICP, which is what we're all forced to go through, has a 6% acceptance rate. Uh, they had only had 499 claims up until COVID. Now they have, I think, 11 or 12,000 claims sitting there. And for most people I talk to, they won't even apply because they say, what's the point? So the number is much, much higher. But... In that program, you're not allowed to uh, use attorneys. There's no legal process. Um, you know, you can't bring in expert witnesses. You, as the injured, are responsible for proving your case, and you have to meet an impossible bar. Uh, I was actually denied, and I was one of the first to be denied, and I believe it, it happened because my senator, Cindy Hyde-Smith, senator of Mississippi, has helped me a lot, by the way, her and her office, CICP is funded through appropriations and she was on the appropriations committee and she used her, uh, her few minutes of questioning time to talk about my case with HHS secretary Javier Becerra. And she kind of grilled him about why is it taking, it took over a year for my claim to go through the process of CICP. And I, at that point, I'd still not heard anything. And she said, you know, my office has been helping him navigate this. Why, it cannot take this long. This, these people are hanging on by a thread. Right. And Javier Becerra looked at her and said, I understand it is a long process, 
uh, were trying to prevent fraud because we they saw so much fraud through the PPP loans and things like that. Yeah. And, right. Okay. So uh, he said that we understand this problem's happening. We're calling it long COVID, which was a huge insult. And right. he told my senator, "I will. My team will reach out to you, Senator, and to Mr. Flint, and we will resolve this issue." It was like ten days later. I got my denial letter. Which, by the way, again, they're calling CIPP. it long COVID, so they're blaming the vaccine injury on COVID. I didn't get COVID until a year after my vaccine injury. Right. I'd never had COVID. Right. So, so what? So now, the, the the name of the group that you guys have all put together is called mm-hmm. React Nineteen. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. That's correct. React Nineteen. What are you guys doing um, emotionally, financially? Um, what, what What are you guys doing to help each other? Because what I find fascinating is the government, big pharma, doing nothing, but the injured are helping the injured. Yeah. So we're a formal nonprofit. Um, The entire board is made up of COVID vaccine injured people. And uh, it's a full grassroots organization. You know, no, no big help. It's just like you said, it's injured, helping injured. We have, you know, support groups. We have uh, studies that are out education. uh, You can go to the website, react19.org. And it's, it's so much information that can just help people navigate their injury to try to sustain themselves, you know, until something changes, if, if it ever does change. Uh, we started what's called the care fund and it's all through small donations. Um, you know, you can submit an application to the okay. care fund. And if you were believe you were injured by the COVID-19 vaccine, I mean, we'll financially help you. We, we can't do a lot. I think we're capped at, like ten thousand dollars at the moment but you know because we're we're none of us are paid or anything it's all going to the care fund yeah so we can only when we we have to open it up we take in applications and we have to shut it down it's, it's infuriating because we know there's so many people that need help and ten thousand dollars towards medical bills may not sound like a lot but for some people i mean it's some people li- living right. in their cars you know because they've lost everything it can it can mean life or death so Absolutely. We're very proud of that. It's been very successful. So how can uh, people reach out to this group? Uh, react 19, react19.org. You can go there to donate. Please donate. Uh, I can assure you it will go to the injured. Uh, and we just started a research arm, uh, a second fund that if you, you can choose if you want your money to go to the care fund or towards research, because we can't even find doctors and scientists to research these injuries i mean they, they won't know part of it the nih so one of uh, on yeah one of the co-founders actually was flown to the nih she was injured in the astrazeneca phase three trial and she was flown to the nih and studied and once it became so apparent that that injury was from the vaccine i mean she was just shut down they, they washed their hands of her and i just read the other day the nih now confirms 29 neurological conditions tied to this vaccine Wow! yet no one can get any help no one can even get recognition that this is happening and that that goes so much further than people realize is just people saying i get it i see you i understand that this happened to you 
And I think, you know, I think the message Cody here too, is, is that you, people have to, you look at what Ron Johnson did. I mean, and he's, he is, um, been fearless um, in the face of massive criticism. Absolutely. All kinds of names they've called him. And he has he risked his election up, helping the injured. Know. But I think mm-hmm. it's important for everyone to, to talk to their members of Congress, to talk to their senators, to talk to their governors and not buy into the silence. And if more people who have been hurt by these vaccines. And again, I want honesty and I want to be able to make choices That's exactly. in my life that, that are based right. on the, the right information. But the way you break this brick wall of silence for anyone who's been hurt by a vaccine is getting you know powerful people or more powerful people involved. And you do that by telling your stories. And I think you know the movie is a great way to do it. Having yeah. a fund that you guys all rally around to help each other out, doing research, all really important, all steps you guys have to take if we're going to bring truth back into this conversation and truth has been absolutely excluded, bringing it back in is uh, some of the great work that you guys have done. And I appreciate that. It's been interesting how it's really, they call themselves purple in this group because, you know, the vaccine didn't discriminate. It didn't just injure, you know, Republicans or or liberals. Um, This group has, you know, people from every political stripe in it. And I think that's important for people to understand. And last question for you, Cody, before we go, why do you think this is happening? Why do you think this sort of concerted effort on the part of government, social media, big pharma, culture, corporations, everyone to literally try to erase people who had these injuries to what is it? Is it a, is it money? What's behind this money and a refusal to admit that they were wrong. Uh, they know the federal government knows NIH, FDA, CDC. They know that we exist. I, Rachel, I've heard you mention the various reports, more reported reactions to this vaccine than all other vaccines in history so they know all the other combined but but yet so what did they do they recommend you give it to your six month old Mm. with no studies that that right there i'm an adult i I take responsibility for making the worst decision of my life and taking the vaccine i'll overcome it one way or another but giving it to a baby a child you have no idea I, i can show you plenty of people that have they're totally disabled or dead you know middle-aged people young healthy people from this vaccine within a year who knows what it will do five or ten years from now so please people think about that before you give it to a child wait right there we're gonna have more of that conversation next at Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The head of Pfizer was in Davos and Rebel News in Canada found him taking a stroll through Davos. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, Cody. And he, uh, Rebel News, Ezra and another, Ezra Levant and another one of his reporters confronted him, stayed with him for quite a walk and asked him, when did you know that the COVID vaccine did not prevent COVID? When did you find out? He refused to ask. They kept grilling him. I have it up on my Twitter account, the, the clip. We're actually going to have some of these reporters from Rebel News on our podcast next week um, to sort of break down what happened at COVID. But, you know, this gathering of all these people um, who, who, who have become billionaires um, off of a vaccine that they knew was was had faulty you know data in the trials who they've denied any any they, they censored you know fifty thousand doctors that signed the declaration the the barrington the great barrington declaration um you know they've censored anyone who's come out and said anything about the vaccine it's really incredible what's happened and and the kind of people that are um again trying to erase people like you how, really quickly how big is your group we have probably forty or fifty thousand people. I safely say forty thousand people confirmed that are in kind of our wheelhouse. But it's it's so much more than that. You know that sure. that's just what we, what we can pull from social Those media. Those are you and, that are finding each other. Well, Cody, right. I can't uh, thank I, you. Can go I ahead. please add one thing? Real sure, quick, of course. Uh, just to go go off what Sean said about the federal government. We uh, React Nineteen has met with over thirty lawmakers. We're trying to get some sort of legislation passed to help and it's shocking at how many lawmakers have never even heard of these injuries. So for anyone injured or that knows an injured person that hears this, please go to react19.org. There is a form you can fill out. Uh, You can sign up, you know, put your email address in, tell us that you're injured. You want help. We will help you get in touch with your congressman or senator and just let them know that you are injured. We we are working behind the scenes. We're coming up with legislation. We have people helping us with that. Who have uh, been the most supportive members of Congress besides Ron Johnson with your group? Uh, Senator Mike Lee of Utah. Uh, my Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. Lloyd Doggett, Democrat congressman from Texas, introduced the first legislation very early on to try to fix the, you know, try to make it easier to get compensation. But And he got a lot of co-sponsors, but nothing can make it out of committees. And like you said, we, we call ourselves purple. The vaccine was invented under Trump and I took it under Biden. You know, it's yeah, but, the, right. but, the, but the Democrats bought into the mandates and they still yeah. control the Senate. So it's really hard. I mean, Sean, you know, the political climate very well. It's, it's really hard. If we can get something out of the House, does it have a chance in the Senate? If we get it out of the Senate, it has no chance in the House. You know, it's so well, I think a lot of things, tough. Cody, are getting um it's been a long time. And certainly for those of you who are going through this, it probably seems like eternity. But I, I do believe that um, a lot of truths are coming to light slowly, not fast yep. enough, not as fast as we'd like. Um, but I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to be praying for your group. And um, I'll, I'll, I hope that, you know, other people who have platforms give you guys a platform uh, because these are stories that need to be told. And um, it's it's adding insult to injury to pretend like you guys don't exist. You do. And you sound like such a wonderful person, Cody. Um, uh, and and I, my heart just breaks hearing hearing everything that's happened. But I'm also very encouraged by the resilience and the hope um, that that you c- clearly exhibit um, that justice can be um, brought about, that other people will not be injured and learn from what had happened to you. And I guess 
you know, um, moving forward with the new, you know, we just had the midterms and there's other elections coming up. Hopefully, hopefully things will get better. Cody, thank you you for joining us. Um, Just such a pleasure to get to know you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Big fans of both y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for the kitchen table with the Duffies. We've enjoyed the conversation. And if you did too, let us know. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. We hope to see you around the table next week. Bye-bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription and Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.